Hello again, Shady Oaks members. Um, appreciate you joining us for our third version of our podcast this year. And like I say in every podcast, the goal is to share some history about the club, to talk a little bit about all different aspects of the club, um, and and just share and talk about maybe golf industry related topics. So you'll be seeing a variety of guests or hearing a variety of guests. Uh, today, we're fortunate that Mike Cocking of OCM, our main golf course architect, is visiting for a yearly audit. And so he has spent the morning with Brent Doolittle, and Brent's joining us as well, our golf course superintendent. And we're going to talk a little bit about the current condition of the golf course, maybe a little bit about some history uh, from Brent and his career. Same thing with Mike. And then we'll talk about some concepts for the future of the, of the golf course. So welcome, Mike and Brent. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Okay. So first of all, Mike, I know your career has has, has changed quite a bit in yeah. the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. um, we like to think that we're part of that. Um, and the fact that this is the first golf course that you worked on in the United States. And a, a lot of our newer members may not really know that. That's why I repeat that. But uh, can you tell us, that, you know, after working here and, and doing such a great job that y'all did and, and that how you think that may have vaulted your career, you know, in the United States and North America? Yeah, I mean, with, without question, I think if we hadn't have done the work here at Shady Oaks, we wouldn't be in the position we're in now. Um, so it was very much a, a turning point, I think, for us. Um, I mean, about half of our business, I would say, is now based in America. Um, I mean, if you think back, it's, it's quite an interesting story how we even got this project. Um, I remember many years ago, we were um, invited to look at the Trinity Forest um, project. And um, we were unsuccessful, but we we maintained a very good relationship with the client there. Um, they eventually went with, uh, with Bill and Ben, and they did a, a terrific job. Um, but through a friend, I heard about that Shady Oaks might be looking to renovate their course. And I reached out to the client um, at, at Trinity and he um, he happened to be standing with Bill Core in a bunker, I think, at Trinity Forest. And, and they were chatting and Bill said, oh, actually, I know, I know Mike Wright. I can give him a call. And it was through that sort of little connection that then we got in touch with each other and, and you were kind enough to to allow us to come over and, and have a look and, and basically interview. And, uh, you know, we were shortlisted and then we were successful. And then it's just the way of these things that, you know, we, we worked here and we were, you know, delighted with how the project has turned out. Just at the end of completing this project, just before COVID, I think it was about February, I want to say, February, what's that, 21 or 20? No, it's 20, February 20. I got an email from the course superintendent from Medina saying we'd be interested in, you know, OCM maybe, you know, are you interested? And then, and I thought, oh, this is, you know, just a case of jumping on a plane and heading to Chicago and four weeks later, the world stopped. And um, amazingly, through the COVID lockdowns in Australia, we were lucky enough to get considered for Medina. We ended up winning that project in Medina. And then very quickly, um, in quick succession, we won a new project down in Georgia, which we're working on at the moment and have been working on for about 18 months, which is a very big new project. So our first new build in America. We then won a, another new project up in Minnesota. We won a consulting project in Connecticut. Um, and then we've sort of been, we seem to have been included into a bunch of other sort of prospects. So we've kind of interviewed at a few other places. So it's, it's, it's amazing that it all stemmed back to a, a conversation I had 
with a, a friend who was a caddy who happened to know someone who, you know, um, I think if that hadn't have happened, I, I, I doubt that we would have done in anywhere near the volume of work we've done in America. And, and, and now it's to the point where, as I say, it's, it's at least half of our business is over here. Well, I think you certainly would have been discovered with or without Shady Oaks, but hopefully <laughs> that was at least a, a start for you. And we, yeah. we appreciate it. Brent, I mean, you know, we, we all have talked about the story many times, but you have Bill Coor. I was, ta- I was walking Trinity Forest with him and I mentioned the fact that who we were interviewing and Bill's a great friend and and he said he didn't say a word and i said bill what do you think and he he didn't say anything he didn't answer me which means you're kind of barking up the wrong tree even though i don't think we were we had some reputable architects um that that probably could have done great but and unlike bill he called me about two weeks later and we were almost finished interviewing for you know we architects were, yeah. we were about to make a decision and bill said mike you guys need to hire ocm he goes i've become familiar with them and if they're, if they're your first job in the United States, then, you know, they'll do a terrific job and you'll get to see how it is working with them. And even made a little suggestion about doing the little nine first so we can make sure. And uh, so, Brent, I mean, you know how it went from there. I was reluctant. I thought, this is crazy. This is far-fetched. Yeah, I, I you know, I don't, I don't actually at this point, I don't think I even remember all the architects that, that we interviewed. But I do remember uh, Reese Jones because he, he was actually one that, that, I thought would be the ideal candidate for this job. And so I was pushing that, that we add Reese Jones to the list. And, but actually when we interviewed him, I felt put off by him. He was like, I was, I, I had no importance and, uh, but that was okay. But then when uh, we did decide to have OCM come out, I met up with them on the second green. Yeah. And, uh, he was with Jeff or Mike was with Jeff. First thing out of their mouth is like, Hey, you want to walk along with us? They were all walking. I said, yeah, let me, let me get a few things done first. And I met with them on six green area. I parked my cart and I walked the rest of the golf course with them. And just having that interaction with them all the way around the golf course, it just, it just showed me how good of an architect they could be for us. And we, we took it back to the committee. And the committee, you know, voted to, to bring them in, and it's been a great relationship. And so I think that that uh, OCM and Mike will be our partners going forward, which is what I think most great clubs do. They sort of take the golf course architecture and the tree planting and the and the, and, so, and even mowing patterns at some time, points out of the hands of golf pros and superintendents who uh, might be okay at it, but it's nice to have somebody come in that's truly an expert and looks at it. And so we've been we've been very fortunate to have you. I'll tell you a good story, actually. I've told it to you. I think I've told it to both of you, but not the general listener. Um, right. We have a lot of new listeners. Some, some members may have heard some things. They might have. Um, but it's a, good, a, a very eerie thing happened when uh, we, we were when we were pitching for the work. We, we'd come over, we'd sent through a fee proposal, and we were basically waiting to hear. I was waiting on a call or an email from from you, really, Mike. And um, I was at home. My kids are now fourteen and sixteen, but I guess they were like six and eight back then and I think it was school holidays so I was trying to keep them occupied um, I was expecting this call I'm like you know so the stress levels were, were up and um, I had a cartoon on um, that they were watching and it was the movie Up which is a great movie by the way Disney movie um, and um, <laughs> there's a scene in it where the old guy they're trying to push him into a home the the developers are trying to yeah. develop it you know and um, 
they're trying to push him in there and 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 I'm waiting on this call and it's like the time's ticking to exactly 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock, whatever it is. It's like getting right down to the wire and I'm getting them sorted and there's a scene where finally they, they throw a pamphlet in the old guy's face of the retirement home they're trying to push him to. And I look at the TV and I see the, the, the image flash by and, and the, the name of the retirement home is Shady Oaks. And the second that came on the screen, the phone rang and it was you. Yeah, I remember that. And I kind of thought, it was so eerie. When when it happened, I thought, well, we've got to get the job. Like, there's no way, there's no way you're ringing to say we haven't got the job. Yeah. So that was kind of a cool, you know, I still remember it. Is it? And shivers down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's good. Yeah. It's a good story. Yeah. I get hesitant to tell stories because I feel like I've told them so many times, <laughs> but there's a lot of people out there who haven't heard that. Yeah, and, okay, and, good. And yeah. Like I said, yeah. listeners, so yeah. anyway, so right, just because I, you know, originally I was not thinking when Mike was going to be here for sure. There's a lot of things that members know about you, but there's a lot of things they don't know about your career. So, you know, and I know them and I think they're interesting. So if you don't mind, just give me a quick version of how you became a golf course superintendent and then just quickly how you ended up at Shady Oaks. We have a perfect marriage here between architect and superintendent mm -hmm. and we'll get to kind of how that came together and such a good friendship. But yeah. if you don't mind, just give me a little bit of your history. Sure. Well, I've been here for 22 years, so it doesn't really feel like there was any past before that uh it's like i feel like my whole life has been at shady oaks which is it it's been great and it's gone so fast it's unbelievable but uh i did originally start i, I grew up in ohio um i grew up on a golf course my grandfather was a superintendent and i basically i started working on a golf course just so i could play for free and you know, over time, I, I played high school golf, I played college golf, and uh, my first, uh, out of college, my first job was in Odessa, Texas. Um, Building a golf course, right? No, it was actually, I was an assistant, and after about two months, the superintendent left, and then I became the interim superintendent for nine months after that. Uh, this would have been in the, in the late 80s. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, oil went bust. Uh, the club started losing members. They couldn't pay their bills. Um, so I ended up moving to another assistance job, building a golf course in Amarillo. Yeah, that's right. So I spent a year there. I went, and after that, I moved to Preston Trail. I wanted to kind of get into a bigger uh, golf area. Uh, so I went to Preston Trail. I spent a couple years there. Um, took my first superintendent's job at a golf course actually here in Fort Worth. Is that it, it, they've actually closed down. It was Lost Creek out on the west side of town. When you were there, you interviewed for the superintendent's job here at one point, didn't you? Yeah, kind of the funny part was there was I was there for about oh five or six years, and the superintendent's job came open here at Shady Oaks, and I interviewed uh, with the committee. But probably the most influential person on the committee was Marty Leonard. Thought the interview went great, but I didn't get the job. Uh, I was very disappointed at the time, but I might be happy that it happened. That I, I might be happy that I didn't get the job at that point because the Greens issues, all the issues of the 1990s at Shady Oak or at Shady Oaks. Um, so after that, I ended up moving to Kerrville for a superintendent's job at River Hill Country Club. And I was there seven and a half years, and lo and behold, the superintendent's job at Shady Oaks opened up again. Sent Mike Wright the, my resume, 
And uh, all I remember is getting a phone call. We did an interview the day after Christmas, if I remember correctly. Um, it's kind of weird because we actually did the interview. If you, For those of you who remember the old clubhouse, it was giant. There's a lot of different rooms. We actually did the interview in the ladies' locker room lounge. Ladies' card room. Is what ladies' called. card room. Yep. Okay. So strange, but whatever. <laughs> Small and private. For sure. And uh, so we toured a golf course. And I believe there was actually a little bit of snow on the ground. Um, so we didn't, we didn't tour a whole lot of the golf course. I was, I was very surprised with the golf course. They had just done a renovation, uh, but it was the middle of the winter and I was, I was just, I so wanted to move back to Fort Worth and, and I was hoping that, that I could impress Mike and I guess I did. Well, so my memory of that is just so you know, and you, I know I've told you this before, but I had interviewed a a number of reputable superintendents at, at nice clubs. And most of them, you know, up to that point were just, I think they were just basically trying to tell me what I thought I wanted to hear, you know, how great the place is and all that. And so Brent walked in the door that morning and within about 30 seconds, I thought, this is probably our candidate. And I, we talked for maybe 10 minutes. How'd you know that? That's one of the gifts that, that I have been given in my life is, is of surrounding myself with, with good people. And uh, it's a gift. But uh, and so and we had a lot in common and, you know, same age and all that, but it just seemed natural. So I left uh, the, our little discussion there for a minute. And I called Pat Hare and Bill Clark. Bill Clark was golf committee chairman. And I said, look, I, I may be Russian, but I think we have our, our candidate right here. Can you all have lunch with us? And that day they dropped everything and they had lunch with us. And they felt the same way quickly. And so I wrote up a, not a contract, but a, 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 a agreement. And I said, Brent, we can't hire you without us seeing your facility and uh, and seeing what kind of equipment you have and what you've worked with. So the three of us got in the car the next day and I took that document with me and gave it to you that day. So it was about a 24 hour decision. It was done. It's been one of the best things ever happened to Shady Oak. So thank you. So, so I don't remember y'all coming down the next day, but I do remember when I got back from because it was over the holidays, I remember when I got back and I knew y'all were coming. I had my guys doing every last little <laughs> detail they could possibly think of doing on the golf course so I could impress these guys. Well, it worked. It worked. So, uh, and then just real briefly, I mean, not that it's the second most important thing, but just share a little bit about your family. Hey, well, um, I've been married to my wife for the past two years. Uh, I have three children. Uh, one is 31, and she lives in Houston, and she has given me two grandbabies. Uh, my middle daughter, who some of you would have seen out here playing golf, and actually she mowed the greens on the Little Nine. She walked mowed the greens on the Little Nine when she was in high school for a couple summers. Um, she is actually in L.A. now doing uh, video editing uh, for game shows. And then my youngest daughter, Ashley, she uh, just graduated Texas A&M a uh, this month. Yep. So uh, I've got my last one out of the house finally. Doing great. I know you're proud of them. So. Sure am. So, Mike, if you don't mind, same kind of question. I mean, just share how you got into the role you're in today. And then if you don't mind, just tag on to that. You know, a little bit about your family. Just I think people find that interesting. So Yeah, sure. Um, 
so I was, uh, I guess I was, I was a good golfer as a junior um, and golf was an obsession. But, and I tended to be all in once I found something that interested me. So um, I would read about golf. I'd, naturally, you would read about the great players, read about Mr. Hogan, for instance. Um, so, you know, getting the job at Shady was another, you know, surreal experience being able to, to talk to you and others that, that knew him. Um, and then the great courses. And so, and that really fascinated me. And I, I, um, despite my youthful looks, um, this was pre-internet, you know? So when I started getting good at golf, I got the, um, opportunity to travel and a great reference was, uh, Tom Doak's confidential guide, which was, as I say, sort of pre-internet. It was a sort of no holds barred look at golf architecture, and it interested me because I, I sort of had never really thought about the architecture. I knew there were courses I liked and some I didn't like. I didn't really understand why I liked them. Um, I think it was mainly built around aesthetics. You know, you you, you like what you know if you like the look of something, you you think it's good. And so his book kind of showed me that there was this whole other aspect to golf. Um, and so I would ride away when I went to, I went to the UK a few times. And so I would ride away. Um, actually I went and saw Panmure, which is where Mr. Hogan qualified for the 53 right. open at, at Carnoustie that he won. Um, so all these little sort of obscure courses that Tom raved about, I would take photos, I would ride away to them and he, he never really got rejected. They were always very accommodating. And so that was kind of my entree into of course, architecture, and then it became a passion. I did an engineering degree at university, still not thinking that I could become a golf course designer. I was kind of playing competitively as well, and so I was sort of wearing a few different hats. I did an engineering degree because I was good at maths and science. But... <laughs> well, you're good at math and science. You're a good athlete, and, and you're and you're a great <laughs> artist uh, at all. Yeah, um, I didn't think most artists were very good at math. Now I, I would have thought it's different hemispheres yeah. of the brain. Yeah, creative versus. Yeah, I was kind of fairly analytical. So, well, you've seen me out on great. <laughs> you know I'm analytical. <laughs> For sure. Um, anal, some would say, but anyway. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I didn't really want to be an engineer. And then I was playing competitive. I was professional briefly um, for a couple of years, but I didn't really want to be a professional golfer either. And then I guess the idea of being a golf course architect sort of struck me. And um, I rode away to, to a couple of different firms. And there was a particular firm um, that was doing some work at my golf club, my home golf club. And they were sort of just getting into the space. Um, they kind of could do with someone to help a little bit as a part-time job. I was sort of trying to play, so it suited me to have a part-time job. And that was really the start of it. And I actually started at that firm uh, within two weeks of Ashley, me. Right. So it was in 2000. So we've sort of been, we, we got along instantly. Uh, similar age uh, he's a couple of years older but similar age um, and yeah and so that was kind of the beginning of our design um, relationship you know so we've been working now together for 23 years oh. and then in 2010 that company kind of wound up and we basically started the new firm and Jeff was someone who I knew we used to play golf together when we were kids um, and he had sort of shown an interest in being involved in some way in, you know, he wasn't about to quit golf and start doing design full time, but it was definitely an interest and, and was keen to sort of be involved. Um, so that, that was really the start of OCM. And then 
you know, it's, it's one of those funny things how I was sort of talking about it before, but you know, your first projects are typically sort of small redesign, you know, maybe a hole or rebuilding some tees or a few bunkers, usually at courses local to where we were based in Melbourne. And then suddenly you sort of you get large projects, you get projects sort of around the country. And then we, we got a project in China in, um, I would say about 2014, 2015, 2014, maybe. We did a, a big project in uh, Shanghai. And then it wasn't long after that that yeah we, we started yeah, here. Started so and it just kind of it's almost an exponential curve. Um, uh, hopefully we haven't hit. <laughs> hopefully we haven't peaked, um, hit the ceiling. <laughs> not bad, not, not so. You know, I, I know you've got a couple, a couple of kids. And, yeah, and, yeah. And you've been married for how long? You've been married. Uh, I've been married since two thousand and two. Um, so twenty one years. And your so wife's in the oil and gas business, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah. And what, um, what, what, what she's you... with BP. Right. Has been for quite long. Oh, she's 16 years, 17 right. years. So she now heads up. She's quite senior there. So she looks after all the assets for Australia and New Zealand. Um, so all the retail assets, so service stations, things right. like that. Um, so, yeah, she, her career has also been sort of, you know, so, so that it's a juggle, um, particularly with all the travel I'm doing at the moment. Um, at, the, at the moment, I'm on the sort of, Three, three, three to four weeks in America, one to two weeks at home uh, cycle. So that's tough. But yeah, it is. I think it'll start. You know, we've we've got a lot more work here in America, but it's just the next year is tricky because there's so many projects overlapping, and you just have to be here. And as you know, we've always sort of prided ourselves on being on the ground for a lot of the time. So um, we, we certainly don't just mail in golf course plans and right. give, give them to someone else we to do build. that for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then, only during COVID. Except for during COVID, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call that mail in. I mean, the way y'all communicated was incredible. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah, we actually. kind of worked out. Uh, I'd be working about the time he'd get up in the morning, and and we could have these conversations and phone calls while I was still out here working. And, yeah, and send pictures, stuff like that, back and forth during that period of time. Half the time you're on a bulldozer. Yeah, yeah, because we kind of we we. Uh, we we'd there were about five or six greens still to put sand on, yeah. but the big one was eighteen and nine, the double green. We'd only sort of roughed in the green and half of the bunkers maybe. Yeah. So really, we left Brent to, and it, and it was a tricky one because if we, it was really the only way to get it finished because there, there was no way you could open with sixteen holes. I don't know whether that would have been well received by the members. Yeah, that, that was um, probably thought about at one point. And, yeah, and uh, you sent me a. a a drawing. Yeah. I I taped this drawing to the windshield <laughs> of the excavator yeah. so that I could shape off of what I could see. And then uh, at six o'clock my time, I would give you a call yeah. or I'd send you pictures. What do you think? And we just keep, keep communicating back and right. forth. And that, that went on for probably two weeks while we were building yeah. nine and 18. And then probably for three months after, or four months after really, there was the, there was still a lot of bunkers that we had to cut out edges on. Yeah. So, I would, Brent would send through a photo. I would mark it up in Photoshop, send it back. Brent would go out there, paint a line, take a photo. Yeah, and my goal you know. at the end was always to be able to send you the photo with the lines that I've painted and you make no changes. Yeah, yeah, which I think we did. We, we finally yeah. got to that point, yeah. So that, <laughs> that was quite interesting, yeah, <laughs> how how aligned our thinking was really. Yeah. yeah. And to the point where that those those few bunkers that, well, those bunkers that you did, I mean, when we finally did get back, June or July of 22, 
yeah you know there was nothing we would change we look great so yeah, yeah. yeah it turned out great yeah so what ages are your kids uh 14 and 16 two girls right yep so um yeah so it's busy busy times at will they go to school and university in in australia or yeah. yeah yeah we've so. we've kind of missed the window really of because the you know the the pity is that with my wife working in oil and gas and her brother's in houston and he's in he works with exxon so um there was actually probably a window there but our, our career or my career in america hadn't really started when the kids were small enough to probably look at a move right, right. so now it's just i think it's just too hard so it's just i, I just have to travel yeah. well, Oaks is, is lucky to have found you and lucky oh, to have found you. brent and lucky to have put this friendship together because yep. i know you guys pretty much every trip might enjoy a, a, a night or two of yeah. fine dining and wine yeah we try and squeeze something in <laughs> so, so. No, no. we kind of like our wine yeah yeah i know yeah. it's a good friendship so. yeah definitely so um kind of changing subjects you uh you were the course for the first time yep. what, in, in over a year right uh yeah over a year we were here we, we built the short game area um, so we were here in sort of January, February last year. Yeah, so it's been quite a while. Yeah, it's been here. Um, so, and, and, you know, seeing the golf course the way it is today, I know what my impression of, of the golf course condition is, the shape, the, the way it looks, uh, the strategy is so positive. Yep. Um, you know, and I know the members are very proud of Brent and what he does agronomically. Uh, but it, just share your thoughts on how it's kind of turned out and 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 the current conditions. Which, what what impresses you, and you know, and then go off into some things you think we might can can improve on. And I know yeah. there's not much out there. Can't improve on anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I can. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, it's um. An answer that did he? Yeah. Going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's um. It's without without the best condition we've ever seen the course in, and. We've, I've always been here in, since we finished, it's usually been at, uh, so it's either been in January, February, so kind of dormant or um, August kind of end of season. So we hadn't, and the idea with this trip was to come about now to see it in its best condition. I just think it's, it's just maturing so well. Um, I've never seen the fairways as tight as they are. Um, the, tur the turf grass, so it's probably the best I've seen. It's the closest to what we would, sort of the to the fairway conditions back at home i would say um there's been some improvements made since the last visit with a lot more short grass leading into the bunkers on the fairway and green side it's, it's we, we sort of talked about trying to cut that grass down a little tighter i think that's worked really really well so i know what happened so like we would be cut pretty short in prime season which i'm calling that now in uh in, in like last year yeah time mike would show up here in august yeah, first yeah. part of september the grass had become it had come become so puffy that you couldn't see that and and i'd be going mike i promise we we use it, we we cut it down short but it's just yeah. it's too late in the season and i don't think he ever believed me no. but now he gets to see i it. get to see it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah i thought it was playing really i mean the greens are unbelievable uh, the quality of the surface but great to see them firm great to see no fans out there yeah i've seen no fans before um that's fantastic. It won't be long. <laughs> um, yeah, and even area out of play areas. I mean, I thought the I thought the sort of the barranca or the um, you know the dry creek bed left of four was looking great. The, the tall fescue I'd never seen it look like that. It's got a nice kind of seed head, and it's just a, just another texture to the golf course. So um, yeah, and it's just it's just benefiting from just a little bit more maturity. Greens like seven just look a little softer. 
Um, you know, and, and it was always one of my favorite greens, but it's nice to hear that uh, it's becoming a lot of the members' favorite greens as well, yeah. or one of the one of the one of their favorites. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's just yeah, it blows them away. Me the the condition of the course, and it's just so nice to constantly come back here and, and refine it. So. so I'm sure that you you have some ideas of. I mean, the golf course is 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 ever changing and growing and maturing and. Trees might need to be replaced. They may need to be trimmed or cut down. Yep. Bunkers may need to be reshaped, added, yep. uh, taken out. Um, you know, fairways may need different type of shaping. I'm sure you have some things that 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 you would you, you have envisioned. We're not asking you to talk about that now because you've just been here for a few hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's common, isn't it? It's very common. Yeah, I mean, they're living, breathing things. You know, and I just think if you're not, you know, I mean, we we do the the very best we can, but. Um, there's always opportunities to make minor improvements. Um, you know, a perfect example is on the seventh hole. Um, you know, when you're building a bunker, you're always careful to try and sheet the surface. If you get a rain event, you don't want the rain washing into the bunker. And, you know, we did that with those fairway bunkers there, but the storms are, are so great here that if you get an inch or two in quick time, it actually, the, the water sheets off the hill and goes You're up. You're really talking about the bunkers between six and seven. Yeah. Yeah. It goes yeah. up and over mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and will wash out that the big bunker. So something like that, we looked at today, you know, it's just a case of we'll, we'll actually strip that grass off and accentuate the mound. It doesn't detract from the design Nobody characteristics. No, they'll have no idea. So it's it's an area where, you know, it's 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 become more of a maintenance issue, and but we can solve it um, without affecting the design. So. Mm -hmm. But we're we're always looking at you know as an opportunity to to add a tee you know whether it's for length or whether it's to create an alternate angle. Um, sometimes you know a hole may play slightly differently to what you thought, so you might change the mowing line or add a bunker. But I mean, for the most part, there's very little really out there. Most of the suggestions have been nothing really due to to do with how the holes are playing. It's more the sort of the aesthetics, you know, right. extending short grass on four and six back towards the tees or you know what you do off the fairway so yeah yeah but it's uh no we're really pleased with where the course is at and you know any of these little suggestions are really just looking to sort of add icing on top of the cake so, so after we finish the project um i asked you i said well, what holes are you most proud of okay can you can you kind of re remember that? Remember the answer you gave me? I can't remember the answer. <laughs> okay, then I'll say today. What, what holes are you most proud of now? It's uh, be interesting to see whether they're the same holes. I find it hard to pick a particular hole, um, but I really like how three turned out. I think three is a really fun hole. I think you know it's certainly the idea with three was that for some people on some occasions there's an opportunity to try and hit it over the the bunker. But it obviously depends on how far you hit it and which tee you're playing off. But I think it's a, it's a really interesting bit of ground. It's quite unique. And, and irrespective of whether you try and carry the bunker, there's still a huge reward for being close to the bunker, you know, as opposed to being way over on the left. It's a much more difficult angle. I think that's a fun hole. Um, five was was five was a lot of fun, um, you know, removing the trees behind the green and opening up that great view and then the, creating the Barranca, I think, was a, a great move. It's a very visual hole. Um, I believe Tony Finau was here during the week and five and seven were, were two of his favourite holes, which is kind of nice to hear. Um, seven, I think, seven's a big one as well. I mean, if you look at the before and afters of that hole, it's pretty remarkable and um, re really happy with how seven turned out. And then I guess some of the holes on the back nine as well. Eleven is a is a favourite of mine. I think eleven's a, a really interesting hole, particularly if the pins in the back. Sounds right like corner. you're about to cover them all. Um, 
14 as well. I'll probably stop there. But no, there's really not. I mean, often we're asked, you know, if there's something you could do differently, would you, you know, would you, would you do it? And, and not much. To, to it, not much. No, not really. We're really pleased with how the holes have turned out. And, you know, other than the odd tweak here and there, but no wholesale changes. So. Your, uh, your answer was uh, seven and 14. Okay. Oh, at least I covered that. I think I asked you for two. Right. And then you said, well, I guess I had to well, I figured if I, 14. If I said enough numbers, yeah. I was going to get there eventually. Well, and so, uh, you know, seven looks so natural. Yeah. And I know that was the objective. I don't know how many tons of dirt was hauled over there to to rebuild the, the, the slope to make it look like it was natural, but it worked and it opened up some great views. And yeah. when we opened the golf course, as you well know, a lot of people were questioning number seven. They didn't, they, a lot of members were. And, um, and over time, you know, we hear very, very positive things about it. And yeah. it's, it's really fun now that you kind of know what could happen up there. It's my favorite place to to sort of monitor the pace of play on the golf course. You just go sit behind seven green and watch yeah. all the things that can happen. Yeah. Um, so that's been very positive. And you, you mentioned Tony Finau yeah. um, was here last week and brought his son and, and a very, very nice young guy. Very nice and uh, very polite to everyone. And so I talked to him briefly and I just said, you know, what do you think of the golf course? And he said, well, I only played the front nine so far, but those two par threes are incredible. And he and he went on to to talk about number seven, just like you would if you're describing the idea behind playing the hole, mm -hmm. you know? So okay, yeah. with that, Brent, I mean, so give me some ideas of your take back on architecture in general, golf course architecture in general, from what you've maybe have learned or witnessed working with OCM. Wow. Um... I would say that, uh, you know, bef before OCM, uh, yourself and, 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 uh, and myself, we would, uh, we did a lot of our own design work out here. Uh, not that it was right by any means. Some, some okay and some bad. <laughs> not was, really. was there really some okay? Yeah, there's some okay. There's some okay. Uh, it's, it seems like though, everything that we did, we undid with OCM <laughs> example, all the trees we planted. And after it was explained to us, well, yeah, that makes sense. Bunkers, we might add, we added the bunkers in our own spot. Well, yeah, that makes sense too. Now it didn't then, but it does now. Uh, so uh, working with OCM, particularly Mike, it was an eye opener. The fun part was we started on the back nine. And I actually, I spent a lot of time with Mike. Uh, I mean, I, I know I had the rest of the project to oversee, but I actually spent a, a fair amount of time looking at their strategies, the reasons why we were doing certain things. And by the time we got to the front nine, I felt really 100% invested in the project. Um, I felt like I could even actually offer suggestions Actually, Mike took a couple of them, uh, not that they were anything big, but uh, it, it, it really made me feel a part of the team. Um, but just, just the perspective from Mike was way different than any perspective from any architect that I've worked with in the past. And, uh, you know, we, we did have a couple architects do a few things. Out here, why out here? It wasn't 100% of us. We did no, have architects. We, we did have, yes, we did. <laughs> Defend us a little bit there. But that collaborative approach is so important in, you know, in the, in the work we do, you know, and I think that idea of, you know, the architects coming in and just 
doing what they want and then handing the keys to the superintendent for sure and leaving just yeah. doesn't yield the best result and, and you know if we wouldn't have worked the way we did when COVID hit we could not have completed no. the rest of the golf holes no, right. if COVID would have hit at the beginning of the project there's no way we no. could have done it but since it was at the end i had learned enough from y'all yeah. that that with the photos with the conversations i was able to help finish it off yeah, I mean, I mean, in reality, there would have been no other option as, than to go to another architect, a local architect, yeah. really. Well, uh, one of the funny stories about that is, of the six architects we interviewed, I think we interviewed a total of seven. One's all said and done, and uh, the most high profile was uh, Maurice Jones, and um, and he was down to the top two. Once it was all said and done, it was down to. You know, and, and Reese would have been a very easy sell to the members. His dad did the golf course. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's worked on USJ. It'd been very easy sell. Yeah, too but as Brent said, we just didn't get that you know great feeling like we got from you guys. And, and but Reese is also a strong personality guy. And so Brent took the duty of calling a couple of other guys and telling them they weren't selected, but he left Reese Jones to me. And I had to be the one to tell him. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. So um Anyway, I think we're we're, we're going to wind this up here in a minute. I appreciate okay. you guys' time. I think that no, everybody will find your perspectives interesting. You know, our partnerships. Uh, you know, working with all our members and both of your dedication. I think they'll they'll find your stories more interesting and they'll understand more. So, uh, right. Uh, anything you guys want to add? I mean, uh, any thoughts you might have that I didn't cover? No, no, no thoughts really. Just you know, I mean, we we love coming back here. You know, and we hope to continue doing this for for a long time still so as long as uh, as long as the club will have us we would love to continue to come but. i do want to give my crew a big plug um they were such a big part of the project i've got some guys i got some old, i got some older guys and i got some younger guys it was so funny because the older guys were the bunker crew guys yeah and they would work circles around any young guys that we put into bunkers and it just kind of became the joke that 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 these older guys were just it was it was amazing what they could do um but i've been here for 22 years um i actually have six guys on the crew that's been here longer than me uh, they're so dedicated to shady oaks it's it's amazing you know, it's guys like that, my assistants. I mean, you know, we talk about the condition of the golf course, but, you know, those guys are just amazing. And they want the golf course to look just as awesome as I do. And uh, they they give it they give it their all. And and the young guys that, that I've recently hired, um, they're just they're just amazing. Also, they they come from good, uh, uh, good work ethic families and they're just they just they put it on the line for me and and uh it's very impressive well i can tell if i asked you one or two more questions about your crew you're gonna crack up <laughs> in tears in your eyes and that's great it's just it's another part of your that's because they're such really good guys so yeah yep. yeah i remember when during the project you would uh bring a new guy in or two i remember one of them lasted one day you threw him in the bunker to see if he could hang out that's right. and he didn't make it so yeah that's great yeah, yeah. We, we'd always start the new guys with the bunker crew and usually they got run off after a day yeah yeah, they are amazing. You've got some great assistants and great staff. So, well, we're very fortunate to have you guys. And it's, a, you know, it's great for Shady Oaks and the members out there. I hope this gives you a little more perspective on the, the leadership of our golf course and, and, uh, 
and uh, appreciation for both Mike and Brent and, and their families and their dedication to Shady Oaks and the game and, and architecture for sure. So appreciate you guys very much. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Thanks for you. having us. All right, thank you. Terrific.